Hello and welcome to Persistent and Nasty Podcast. This is our Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2019 series. Throughout this series, we will be talking to women of the fringe, from producers to directors, writers and performers. We hope you enjoy all of the podcasts and get along to see as much of it as you can. As we are recording out and about, you may hear some background noise. Hopefully it won't affect too much, but it might just give you the vibe and atmosphere of the festival. So sit back, relax and enjoy some persistent and nasty women. giving up your time for us um, if we could just start by everybody kind of going around saying who they are what their role is that would be amazing hi uh, i'm steph connell i'm producer of how not to drown and producer of i'm zoe lighting designer for how not to drown i'm alexandra faye braithwaite i'm sound designer and composer for how not to drown uh, I'm Carla Amarina um, Almeida and I'm a social producer of Fixkin and I'm uh, working on How Not to Drown and Reports, The Afflicted. How did you discover the play? Did they come to you? Yeah, um, so we knew, we've known um, Jutan Castraldi, who the play is about, for about 10 years. Um, we met him, or Laura, who is executive producer, and Neil, who's artistic director and who's directing the show. Um, we used to work at Frantic Assembly, and they met him through their admission programme, which is for 16 to 20 year old males um, that haven't got much experience in theatre but have kind of been put forward for it or have it an interest or will get something out of it. So he was doing that project that they were leading, so they met him that way. Um, he kind of told his story a little bit, but he tends to just tell the funny bits. Um, and them and Scott Graham, artistic director of Frantic, kind of thought, oh, there's something in this. It's not as, as a play, it'd just be useful for him to find a vehicle to share his story and just kind of get it out and to be able to talk about it a bit more. So within um, Ignition, they do, um, as well as the project, they do kind of workshops on top of that as well. So they got um, Nicola McCartney in because Scott had worked with her before and Frantic had worked with her and Nicola is really brilliant at this kind of thing and does a lot of um, work about like, lived experience and true stories and um, helping people to tell their stories, especially people whose voices aren't usually heard. Yeah. Um, so he thought this was a good introduction to make. They did a workshop that kind of was for the benefit of everybody else but also was kind of aimed um, strategically at Britain. Um, and he did, he shared his story and then this relationship started from there really and they worked together, Nicola and Dritton have worked together for three or four years. There's 60 hours of interviews with Dritton um, to kind of tell the story and for him to kind of realise what the story is as well yeah. and to kind of hear it back himself which I think has been huge for him so I don't think he realised what he'd been through until he said it all um, and said the peaks and the chocolates of it and not just the, the funny bits um, and then Neil got involved because Jutton loves working with Neil and loves his work and um, knows us all at Fitzgain and thankfully felt that he trusted us to tell his story and then here we are. Great! Amazing! Does anybody want to add to the process of getting the show up and running? 
I love doing it all the King Blind Planet. Yeah, I've been working on it for like 18 months, and these guys have um, been a crash landed into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alex and I is uh, like the sound come into it. We're given the script already, already exists, and uh, we then try and add to it what we can. So I was in rehearsal a lot doing the sound, and then I then take over in the theatre and add the lighting on top of it. Um, and it's just trying to tell the story. So really, where Don is just taking a photo of me. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's our job to tell. So it's our job to help tell the story. So because the words are so powerful, then they've added the movement on top of it, and you go, how on earth are we going to break down this massive story into what is it, an hour and twenty? And um, it's just telling the story through every medium possible. So we're telling it through sound, telling it through light, telling it through movement, and all of us are adding our bit on. And you kind of, once you watch rehearsal, you get inspired to then build, build the lighting from that, and then you hear what Al's done with the sound and with the music and the punctuations of the piece, and just to keep it moving and flowing. And it's such a powerful story, and there are really funny bits, and it's making sure that those land. But I think with Dritan as well, he he doesn't realise how shocking it is to us. And I think when he started telling this story, when people were shocked, he then went, "Oh, this isn't normal. This isn't every day. Not yeah. everyone has had this story before." Um, so it's just about us making sure that we connect with the audience and tell a story through all of our work and how we can help to, yeah, to just put it on stage. I think the way um, Thick Skin works and especially the way Neil directs is really collaborative. So like, Al's pretty much been in rehearsals from day one, um, putting together the music and all the, the sound design is really important to Neil. So, and then the lighting discussions have been from the beginning, design was brought in really, really early. Um, like the idea, the whole thing is set on a raft that Becky Minto has designed for us, which is stunning. And um, I think he had that idea from just reading the script in the first place. It's changed slightly throughout it, but it's, his work is really, really visual. So it's a really exciting opportunity for us to get really exciting collaborators on board to kind of bring all that together. We kind of create all the world, world and the magic that like the Dritan experiences via sound and light. So we kind of go, you know, we take. Uh, he's on a like. There's, I don't want to do any spoilers, but like, he potentially maybe on a boat at one stage. So we like, you know, we create that world around him. We create the danger through lighting and sound. We make, try and put the audience in Dritan's experience, which is the most exciting thing to try and do. Because essentially, without without us, he's just stood on the stage telling his story. So we kind of try and like. Is yeah, that a yeah. usual process for you being there from the very beginning of the rehearsal period? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you kind of like, because what, what they do informs what I do, but what I do also informs what they do. Yeah. And because a lot of um, a lot of this piece in particular is quite rooted in movement. Um, like they have to find the beats in the music in order to move, to, and like another, other, I have to find their beats in their actions. So yeah, it's quite essential for me to be there in order to to achieve that. Yeah. So as a creative team, how many women do you actually have? We had a really good, there was one production meeting that I was sat in, I was obviously concentrating very hard, probably trying to figure out what I was talking about. Um, but there was, there was ten of us around the table, there was seven women and three men. And it was great, yes. and not all of us were there yeah. as well, because there's a few people missing, so there's probably, probably nine women, including like Carl and Laura there. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of us. Could we go through them just so we need oh God, to name everybody? Oh. Like, don't worry if you miss anybody. Like, you can add it in. Okay, so we've got um, executive producer Laura Mallows. Um, we've got Mia's producer, 
We've got um, Becky Minto, who's designer. We've got Zoe Spur, who's lighting. Alexandra Faye Braithwaite, who's sound designer and composer. Um, we've got Carla, who's associate producer. We've got Fee Fraser, who's production manager. We've got Jessica Ward, who's stage manager. We've got Cara Jackson, who's stage manager. I'm looking around desperately, have I forgotten? That's nine, <laughs> so is that it? Yeah, I think it's that everyone. And then we've got the guys are just, just might as well mention them. Yeah, we, you can <laughs> mention them. It's, um, it's not that we don't like your boy. Yeah. You get interviews all, all the time. Exactly. <laughs> um, we've got Neil Bettles and we've got Johnny Reardon. So Neil is um, director and co-choreographer and Johnny is co-choreographer. And um, we've also obviously got Jutan Strati who's written it, but also Nicola McCartney who's co-written it. Yeah, so ten women then. So if we ten women, if yeah. we include Nicola, which we absolutely will. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounded like I was giving you shade. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, and we've got Andy Gannon as well, who's our production electrician. So we've got yeah three guys and probably ten or eleven women in there. That's team. Yes, team. Absolutely. <laughs> um, have any of you worked with that amount of women before? I've worked on productions that are all women, all, uh, which is amazing. Um, and it does happen, but I do find myself on teams of all women because there are so few female uh, lighting and sound designers. Um, I'm quite often on all female teams, which is which is brilliant. But I think you do uh, you do a huge amount of productions with an all male team as well, and I'm yeah. the only woman, so it does balance out a bit. But um, I think what we try and aim for, and what I love to look for, is 50-50 split mm. on productions. It is hard because there are so few of us, and but we are out there, and I think people are starting to search for more women that do this and I quite often have directors going I have I need to broaden my horizons you know I need to find more people I work with the same creative teams over and over again and I want to meet more people and I saw a show you lit and I loved it and I don't have anything in mind at the moment but I might have something in future you know it's just That's about making those connections and I think people are really aware of the fact that they need to search for people and not just women just anybody who is uh, you know, just someone yeah. they're not used to working with every week. So I think we are, the industry's growing and there were more women coming through. Um, there's still not as many as men, but... By a long shot. Yeah, by yeah. a very long way. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we had to go down south for these two. Um, also, we Manchester worked. actually, thank Manchester. you very much. Manchester. <laughs> it's down south from here. It's down south from here. Um, but also, like, we'd worked, like... Other members of the creative team have worked with these guys before and were really excited by them, so wanted to bring them on it where it wasn't just like we need to tick this box of women, yeah. let's go find them. But um, th there is a, a, a definite void. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like a lot definitely of for sound and A lot of shows feel like purpose built all female creative teams. But what's yeah, quite yeah, lovely yeah. about this is it's it's the team that Neil wanted to work with regardless of which gender. Which kind of happens. Yeah, which yeah. feels really exciting. Which is the way it should be. Yeah, totally. Um, and just lovely that it just shows that the women outnumber the men. Totally. Mm -hmm. Not seeing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing it all with her face, which you can't see. Um, yeah, no, it is an issue in Scotland, I think. I think across the board, yeah. the uh, lack of open doors, will yeah. we say? I'm trying to put it nicely without yeah. burning too many bridges. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it definitely is. So that's really interesting that you had to go down south for you guys. 
stroke Manchester. Thank you. That's really important. I know, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm a northerner as well. She's from the north. I just can't have that next to my name. I'm not with me It's okay, I'm kind of the same. I'm like, Elaine Stewart, Scottish. Yeah, so what about the rest of you on female teams, all female teams? I think most of the teams have worked have been largely female. For some reason, because I think it normally as a producer, kind of just get attached. Just for a wee bit for you. To yeah. <laughs> then, so I did work with a couple of companies that were well, all female or female-led. So it's and it's been quite nice because both How Not to Drown and The Afflicted are quite. But The Afflicted is kind of 50-50. So it, it's been quite nice to see that because sometimes, uh, well, I've worked in some other theatres that. It's quite depressing when you just get there. It's like one woman. It's like normally like the dresser or something. And it's yeah. just like, oh, if a whole team of, uh, you can find someone to do something. Yeah. Okay. So it's been quite nice, especially this range, because both shows are kind of got the balance. And it makes a difference for the team as well, because there's different ways of working and kind of more open to anything. So it doesn't get, oh yeah, uh, a woman could have, give you an opinion that, yeah, this doesn't work out. <laughs> But you know, you need uh, not not only women as well, but like sometimes there's uh, well, I'm well, I'm not British or South. I'm very very South because I'm from Brazil. So like sometimes you feel that you, you hear and it is kind of very white uh, and British. Then so it's been quite nice as well to see uh, some children kind of just bring okay, yes, just a, a bit of a diversity, different voices. Yeah. different voices, not what you just used to hearing all the time. So I think it's been a nice experience uh, working on both uh, Helmut around the Afflicted because you can see, oh yeah, there's, there's a diversity. I think it's there. interesting because like, as a producer, I feel I'm always working with women because most mm. producers, especially in the subsidised sector, are women. And in arts administration offices, I can work with mm -hmm. Tron as well, it's, there's a lot more women than there are men. Um, but I think it do, you can see the difference when you walk into a rehearsal room or into a production meeting or into tech rehearsals and things like yeah. that and that's really nice to be like, oh there is a balance in here yeah. and, uh, or I can see when it is in balance, you know, actually yeah, it does, it does make a difference. It's annoying though that you notice yeah, that yeah. you went, oh we're all women, it's yeah. never happened, yeah, you yeah. Know? but then there has been times when I've been in all female teams that was completely accidental yeah. and none of us realised until we were kind of in tech and all around and all the voices were female mm. and it was nice that we hadn't realised because yeah. why should we? the men don't sit around and go oh, oh we're all male team hey oh isn't this nice you know, <laughs> like that. So, it, yeah I think we are getting to the point where there are more women around the table but we do still clock it and yeah. count up and there is still a lot of shows like um it's just me and loads of dudes yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and like it feels like they find it more acceptable because I'm gay so they're a bit like, alright mate, you're kind of half us. Yeah, so that's another thing as well. Which There's is... something interesting, um, Steph, your point about um, arts management and producer roles are quite commonly women, but I think we still have a leadership Oh issue. yeah, yeah. yeah. I did that, as I said it. Yeah, you know, and I think, but I think that's really interesting, like the, the organisers, the people who are getting it done, yeah. behind the scenes, kind of unsung, yeah. tend to be women, but then directors, the people who are leading the rooms uh, or at the top of the, the organisation, yeah. they're, they're men broadly, especially at the moment in Scotland, our uh, yeah. yes, theatres yeah. are being led by men and, and they're good men, they're, they're good at what they do but I, I think there's something, there's a wee disconnect, just that, yeah. that step up to that, the leadership position yeah. is still broadly dominated by men and particularly where directors are concerned, I find that 
I find that really frustrating. I think I know, I know a lot of brilliant female directors, but they're 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 just they're struggling, and there seems to just only be like there's only ever one spot for the emerging or yeah. associate yeah. or assistant director, and it's invariably a woman will be in that position, but she can't quite get jump. Yeah, the, the jump seems to be difficult. I don't know if you encountered that or or if you had thoughts on that. Anyone around the table? That kind of glass ceiling, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it is noticeable definitely in Scottish theatre at the minute. The artistic directors and the executive directors and the people running the buildings are all, all nearly all men. Yeah. Um, which is unnoticeable. They're all lovely men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they are all men. Yeah. And, um, I think they are aware that they have yeah. to change things as well and they want to change things, yeah. but equally they want a job as well. Yeah. yeah. So, you mm. know. Yeah, exactly. So I think, especially in London, a lot of the new, you know, associate artists and directors, and there's a lot of people coming through that are women that are taking those spots, and there's a lot of people taking more chances on women as well. Um, and there's a lot of younger artists coming through into much higher positions. Like the industry wants everything very quickly, and we're pushing forward, and everyone is stepping up to the challenge which I think is really amazing but equally we've been doing it for a long time I yes. you know I say a long time but we're babies in the industry you know I've been doing it for 10 years I think Al's the same which is nothing but we've still been there for 10 years and still I walk into a rehearsal room and actors might go oh I've never had a woman like my show before yeah and I go well I've been doing it for 10 years but we just need more of us to come through there is still it's not 50 50 at the moment it might be in other, other areas I don't know and then it's heavily weighted in the opposite direction you know there's a lot of stage managers yeah. mainly, mainly female in stage management in wardrobe um, a lot of set designers I work with are women um, so we just need to keep pushing through as women and I think the industry is really uh, it's a tiny industry anyway and it's not well known and I think we just need to advertise us to you know schools and career um, you yeah. know, what they call career supervisors who tell young people what to go into and Don't so that, go into the arts. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's an amazing career. Yeah. And I was talking to an art teacher randomly at yoga the other day, and she was amazed to hear what um, what my job was. And I said, well, it's a great career for anyone who isn't great with uh, words or writing or is dyslexic or dyspraxic or anything like that that you. You they express people, yourself yeah, through yeah, art. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's it's amazing, people don't know about it. So how do we get people to know about it? You know, at schools I'm always when I used to like shows for grammar schools and school productions, I was just given a team of thirteen year old boys, you know, and the girls yeah. were put into wardrobe and you go, Well, why can't they come and do the lighting and why can't the boys go and do the wardrobe? Why yeah. is why, why is that happening? The that have yeah. to happen? I think yeah. School, yeah, yeah, it starts really early. I think, and a lot of yeah. women do come to lighting design because it's technical. You have to do it through doing your hands-on, your lifting things, your but also the back fighting, of a truck. fighting yeah. for that space as yeah, well, exactly. proving yourself. Yeah. Like we have yeah. to essentially prove ourselves ten times more than any man does. In yeah. like, why why should you have the job? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is yeah, because if you're good enough for the job, yeah. that's it. Yeah, totally. It shouldn't matter what your gender is yeah. or what you identify as. If you're good enough to do the job, you're good enough yeah. to do the job. Back to kind of like the leadership thing, there's a really exciting thing happening in London at the moment, like with Lynette Linton and kind of all these new, like amazing, amazing, like women that are coming through and like leading huge buildings. 
um, and obviously like uh, Bryony Shanahan's my partner has just got the, um, the job in Manchester which is absolutely amazing um, so hopefully that'll kind of infiltrate another wee shout out yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Bryony Shanahan hello I love you um, yeah she uh, yeah she's just got the job which is absolutely amazing and like she, I mean she fought for it and she deserves it so hard and I'm so proud of her um, but hopefully that'll kind of infiltrate into Scotland because there's some like amazing Scottish directors like Debbie Hannon absolutely amazing yeah. like my favourite woman in the world um, Natalie Ibu is incredible you know there's some amazing like female Scottish um, directors that should be running those buildings and hopefully that yeah. the bubble will kind of infiltrate up because yeah. um, it tends to unfortunately happen in London and then kind of burst out, ten, yeah. Ten years to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like yeah. someone's like carrying all this like yeah. politics on the back <laughs> all the way up. Pulling it from Oni. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is interesting because I know a couple of female directors who were doing really well in London. They were Scottish. They wanted to come home, have families, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, and it's not as easy, and they're not getting offered the same amount of work up here as they were in London. And it's just. It's frustrating. No. It's frustrating for them. It's frustrating, I think, for the industry because we're not hearing voices that are really important, and um, we're missing out on that. But hey, that's why we're here. <laughs> we're gonna make a change. Um, did you want? I felt like you were trying to say something, Misha. Oh, it's kind of like been and gone. Louise kind of covered it, and then everyone else kind of covered it. So it's actually really. I didn't even need to say anything. <laughs> it was almost like my energy went right out, and it all kind of happened. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, you just sent out the energy. So. <laughs> Yesterday we were talking to the team from uh, Bobby and Amy. If you haven't, we'll see it at Sullen at the Pleasance Courtyard. Cool. Freaking brilliant. Um, all female creative team. And they were saying that they've had, throughout the course of the rehearsal period, every time they tell somebody that it's an all female creative team, they're like, oh, is it really bitchy? Nah. Have you guys had that? No. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is it a wee bitchy or do people say that we're bitchy or ask if we're bitchy? People would say, so you would say to somebody, oh yeah, I'm working with a like huge amount of women, they're like, is it really bitchy? Yeah, people do ask me that quite a lot and it, no, it's not. I think it's different to a team of all men. It's different with 50-50, it's different with all women. Uh, it's just because everyone has different personalities and it's whatever personalities in the room. Mm. And if you're a bitchy person, then you'll bring it. But there's a many bitchy guys out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think as women, we are, and I don't know if this is unfortunate, but more self-aware that we don't want to be the bitchy women that people assume us to be. Yeah. Um, and I I don't think I am naturally that. You're definitely not, Alex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alex has never got any good gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we are more aware that we don't want to become those women that yeah. people tell us to be. Or, you know, people are, women are always described as formidable if you're kind of successful or higher up or actually put your foot down on something. Whereas men, no one would describe a man as formidable no. ever, which I think is it's hard to take our role. Like, we're often in charge of big teams of people, and you do have to be really strict on things. And there are occasions where I've said something. And I know I'm right, and they've gone, hmm, we'll wait for so-and-so to get here. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and then as soon as he says, oh, that, that's in the, totally the wrong place, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, I, I did say that. Yeah, yeah. I, three yeah. days ago. Yeah, And now I'm like, we're Thanks still waiting. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So it does still happen, and it's... I think the happenings like at Everett is I've got uh, one of my best friends, I'm not going to say, in the theatre, but she's the only woman in a team of about 20 men in technical theatre, and she says that... She's brilliant at what she does, she's got like 20 years experience, but sometimes she does something and she said they don't take her seriously until someone 
gonna do this. I just literally told someone three days ago that this was the case, but no one's like, until the guy comes to, oh yeah, this this is how it's meant to be. She was like, I've just not taken seriously. Yeah, I've definitely had that for technical managers. Awful. Yeah. Not as well, just sort of not in specific theatres, just random occurrences, but just I think because I've gone in as a producer as well, uh, or I've gone in as a female and a blonde female. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. But like they've just been like. Are you alright, pet? Oh, you, do you want me to lift that for you? I mean, I can lift nothing, but I'd like to give it a go. Yeah. Um, I'm like, just being really patronising about things. And just, yeah. Come on now. Yeah. It's very dated. It also, is. I think that as a um, producer as well, I think when I was kind of, well, I've still not been producing long now, but um, when I was kind of just starting out, because I'd only seen a few women in the role, I think of just the way that they, I think they felt that they had to come across really cold um, to get things done and to get people, because you're the one who's got to fire people, you're the one who's got to contract people, you're, you've got to have all the awkward conversations. Yeah. Um, and I kind of thought that I had to be frosty and mean and cold-hearted and a bitch, basically, to be able to, to do that role and that was part of it. And I don't know if that's because that's the way people spoke about it or because maybe the men that were potentially being managed by the women were bitching about it yeah um and that's the way it was kind of coming across but that was a really interesting learning curve for me to then see more and more women doing it and being trained up by those women and think oh actually there's different kinds of producers and different kinds of people and you can make what you want of the role and you can bring your personality to it yeah. in a different way but just because you're in charge doesn't mean that you're a bitch yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly as you say men never get said that it's just you know oh they're they're a really good manager yeah mm-hmm. oh, are they? when, yeah. when women oh, get really more bossy men don't get more bossy no more yeah. bossy that's <laughs> yes. two days in a row bossy has come up yeah, as, yeah that we do yeah. They never get called bossy, mm-hmm. even as children. Oh, you're so bossy, you're a bossy little madam. Mm-hmm. used to get that, like, who cares? I am. I am. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that the, the very frustrating thing that men don't have to adjust their behaviour, ever. Whereas women are always thinking uh, about the room they're in, how they interact, how they come across, how they need to adjust or amend what they're saying or how they move, navigate through a room to be taken seriously or to get heard. Like it's, it, I feel like it's a constant like internal strategy to think, right, how am I going to get what I want without, I don't know, without the language being weaponized, bossy, bitch, whatever. Totally. Um, and I think we just, we don't talk about it enough. We need to actually be talking about that. Like I, I want to stop, I just want to do my job and do my job well and be me and I need to stop. I want to be able to stop adjusting to suit whatever yeah. patriarchal bullshit uh, yeah. model is, is in play here. Um, and I think the more we talk about it, the more we can like go, you know what, enough. I enough think, yeah, this. I think it does always keep me on my toes, because as much as I think we, we it's amazing to talk and all of us do talk about it, it's not, uh, it doesn't happen to me every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, there's a, most of my experiences are really positive in theatre, and people are brilliant, and I don't think twice about being, you know, being a woman in a man's world or, or whatever's happening around you, but you do have to be aware of it because you never know when it is gonna just hit you and catch you out, and it's horrible when it does. Yeah. Because then you go, oh, it's just happened to me, and then you hear someone else that it's happened to, and even if it's once every six months, that's still once every six months yeah. that it's happening to people, and maybe in the same building to the same people. So we have to just keep talking about it and call people out, because it is it is getting better. Um, but then there is still a phrase, you know, people are just saying, oh, I want to tick boxes. Yeah. And yeah. that makes, 
that undermines us even more yeah. because you go, well, we're only here because you wanted us to tick a box. Because, yeah. you know, I'm a woman. Like, no, it's not okay. You want me because you want my work. And if you feel like you want um, an all-female creative team and you're just getting me because I was the last on the list, then maybe I don't want to be on the team. Yeah. You know, it's not okay. It's exhausting as well, yeah. having to like always, always perform. Essentially, like the whole thing feels performative. You can't like accidentally answer a question wrong, or accidentally like make a wrong decision about where a speaker should be, or like you have to constantly be on it and switched on. And like it's it's exa- it's exhausting <laughs> um, because if you don't do that, then they're like, oh, just a woman, or like do you know what I mean? And but you, and you don't you don't ever want anybody to say that. So you're kind of always switched on and always doing this like grandeur performance that just feels unnecessary and I wish that it didn't have to happen. I know what you mean, like I don't think about it every day and like I work with brilliant men um, in every job that I do, like Thick Skin, I work with Wonderfuls as well and that's two guys and they're brilliant but also because I think we are talking about it more, they're more clued up in Mm -hmm. kind of how to work with women and how to work with anyone, no matter what gender they are, and just um, just being more inclusive and open their eyes and just all work together like we're all human beings mm-hmm. and we don't yeah. really think about it it's only when we've had these kind of conversations or we like like yeah i say i noticed there was the, the count of women in that production meeting that was like three weeks into yeah, it right. yeah. Um, yeah. so it's not the first it's thing i know it's the first thing i think about or like who we're going to get on this team right we need we need lots of women it's, it's yeah who do we want to work with? Mm. Um, and that's great and it does feel like a change really quite quickly as you were saying like that in itself like I kind of feel like three years ago, I might be wrong, but I don't know if you would have had ten women on your creative team. Ten. I'm shaking my head, but I don't think so. I no. think like um, especially not at higher levels. Yeah, not at higher level. Fringe level a lot. Yeah. I've always worked on all female teams at the fringe, but not at a higher level. Yeah. Um, and it feels like a over the past 10 years that's definitely been a massive leap which is which is great but obviously we've not leaped far enough yet there's no. still like four more lily pads yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that you say that about the fringe because we had a similar conversation about this yesterday mm-hmm. because the fringe no one's giving you don't have to ask permission the fringe is you come and you do mm-hmm. and it's that's one of the yeah. wonderful things about it totally. is that anyone can bring their work and anyone can do anything so it is interesting where there's a but there's not a gate to have to bash in mm-hmm. Then yeah, you see more, you see more um, diverse groups of people making work. Um, totally. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. But when we're in, when we're in the realm of gatekeepers and yeah, and that that leadership gap, then suddenly mm-hmm. it diminishes slightly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do I do agree. I think it is getting better. Which is why when it does happen, when these little sort of moments happen, they, they're shocking because yeah. it kind of comes out of left field because yeah. you're like, I thought we were past this, but yeah. Well, um, yeah, and as we said yesterday, like hopefully in, in the next, I don't know, five years, there won't be any need for persistent and nasty. Yeah, and more will just keep happening, because yeah. I recently worked on the first all-female uh, West End production, and that was... It was Amelia. It was Amelia, and I saw It was massive, and the fact that it was four female producers, all-female creative team, all-female company, all-female stage management, and they worked really hard to find the best people for the jobs as well, 
and everyone had female assistants and it, they didn't say to me you have to but I just felt like for the solidarity of everyone together we wanted to have a team of women that could do it easily or you know standing upside down with our eyes shut you could easily do the show and we wanted to deliver it and it was absolutely amazing but people still moan about it they moan about the fact that it's an all-female production and you know where are the men and you still get backlash of men yet there were, there were so many all-male teams yeah. there were so many and I was walking around the vaudeville theatre and they have all the posters of the shows from however many years they've been putting posters up for like they are on every corridor and they have all the creative teams and there was not one I saw, there was, was there one? There was one with a female lighting designer, everything else was an all-male team. Yeah, everything yeah. else. Yeah, and you yeah. just go, there's occasionally a woman that I am looking really hard to find, but it just doesn't happen, you know. I've been the first light, female light designer of an opera festival recently, it was its 40th year anniversary. And you're the first And I'm the first woman to design it, you know, <sighs> and it's... It, but the, they, they realise, the guys realise, and there was a guy, it was his 39th year of doing the festival, and he said, Sophie, I've been thinking about all of the designers, and I think you're the first woman. And I didn't feel, there was nothing going in that made me feel uncomfortable or anything like that. They've all been there, they've done the festival for a long time. But for them to go, actually, yeah, I think you are the first woman. You go, well, it, we've, we've, we've taken the first step. Yeah. Um, the, now the next person to go in won't be the first woman. Yeah. And we can just get better from there. Hopefully. We can yeah, just keep yeah, having yeah. And we can do another all-female West End production, and it's fine. And women can lighten the West End and do things, but mm -hmm. it is at the higher level, mm -hmm. as you say, in our world, that we're not stepping up to the, the, the you know, the top venues as, as they were. You know, we're not getting paid more money or given the opportunity to unleash ourselves on those venues and why not it's the same people they use it over and over again who are safe you know producers think they're safe they, you know they took yeah. a risk why should they have to take a risk yeah. you know and is it, it about you know, no yeah. and there's, yeah. there's guys i know who are less experienced and younger than me who've got opportunities in the west end if that's what we're comparing it to and so i go well what is it is it about that i'm a woman do you not trust me what, no it's because you're ace that? and you're really busy well, <laughs> <laughs> you're not available <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to hope that it isn't. And I do sometimes say this to directors, and they're like, no, no, it's always, shut up, you're amazing, stop it. Um, it's not just because you're a woman that you've got the opportunity. And I hate that they have to say that to me and I have to think that. But you do, you go, yeah. oh, maybe I am good at what you're I do. And head. people do actually want me and not just because I'm a woman. But I do always think, is it just because I'm a woman? They want you. Yeah. Thank you. They want you. I have to say, though, because I saw Amelia, and as an actress and an audience member sitting, in the theatre, watching all women on stage and knowing it was a whole, it was all female creative team, I was, I actually nearly cried at the start when I was like, oh my god, I'm the best! This is 2019, like, yeah. I shouldn't be this emotional yeah, totally. about the fact that this is the first time that I'm getting to see an all female cast, crew, producing, directing, writing production. Like that shouldn't be the case, but it was also amazing. Yeah, and it was really beautiful to see, and it was really good. Yeah, the lighting. We were great. so proud. The lighting was amazing. Guys, it thanks. really was actually. I'm just thinking back about the lighting. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. Why? Why has it taken this many years to, for it to happen? Um, and it was four female producers that took it on, and they went straight to Nika Burns with Nymax, and they went, "We think you're the." one who wants our show we don't feel we can go to the man 
So they went to Nika, but I remember we opened our first preview on International Women's Day and it was a slog to get it ready. Like we'd had barely any time, but we were all really excited for it. And we saw Nika Burns walking past as we were just getting a coffee and Joe Scotch, the set designer, went, Happy International Women's Day, Nika! And she went, It's always Women's Day in my world. <laughs> I just love her. It's brilliant. She was upset. And she's not phased by it. She's done it for however many years. She's been at the top for many years. So there are people there, but before like tooth and now to get there and there were not yeah. enough yeah so um we've been asking everybody a question uh-huh. um, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a really sneaky question no it's not a sneaky question um so obviously we're called persistent and nasty and we've been asking everybody what your interpretation of being persistent and nasty is Oh, silence. silence. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It's very deliberately, playfully provocative. Okay. Yes. We know why we've called it that. Okay. Um, it's a bit tug-in-cheek. The reason we're called persistent and nasty is we are reclaiming the word. Mm-hmm. Because okay. when uh, Hillary and Trump were having their um, yeah their debate, and she dared to give him actual information and facts, no, um, and he dismissed her by calling her a nasty woman. And then there was a whole Twitter backlash. Oh, well, then if she's a nasty woman, I'm a nasty woman because I get up every day and I go to work and I work four jobs to support my kids, da 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 da. So it's that. So we're reclaiming the word. It's not that we are nasty people. Gotcha. Because I'm definitely not. I'm the hippie of the group. I'm like, well, I actually know Misha is also now. I'm like, <laughs> her up. And it lets everybody love each other. Yeah. yeah so that, it's gotcha. not. Uh, so if nasty just means calling guys out, then this kind of that, isn't it? Well, it can As be that, or it yeah. can be, it can be that um, it gives you power to push forward, yeah. or yeah. Yeah. So whatever they don't you like think. What, yeah, they don't like what you're telling them. Yeah. But you go, well, it's my opinion, and maybe I'm right. And if a guy was saying this, would you say the same thing? Yeah. Alex, I'm ready. Yeah, she's ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say empathy, energy, and um, inclusivity. Yes! That's getting stolen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll give you credit for stealing it. There you go. <laughs> How do you follow it up? No, I think it is. It, it, it's kind of like you said, because like sometimes it's being persistent. Because I've been doing it for like about twelve years, and if you just if you just gave up on the first couple of no's, like oh I don't know, we're working in an office somewhere, yeah. so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do this anymore. But and then it is of because sometimes you've pushed through, you're just saying oh you're just your boss or you're nasty, but it's just like I don't care uh, if that's how you see me. Like I'm getting my I was just gonna swear, but that's fine. No, no, you can swear. <laughs> You're getting shit done. So well, then, in the end, it's uh, not swear. That's the thing. I'm not sure. Uh, so if people, if you can talk, that's great. So hold back. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to swear now. <laughs> um, but it is, and then sometimes in order to do something, just oh yeah, yeah, you're a bit bossy, you're a bit this. Like I don't care if I have, if that's what it takes to do my job. I don't care how you perceive me. So just, just, I just embrace that. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Yeah, embrace so, it. Erase yeah. it. Stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just agree with what you said. Was kind of thinking about what I said about being a bitch and being called bossy and be like that. If, yeah, if that's what it takes to get it done. 
And um, it, yeah, reclaiming the words is really important. So if we have to reclaim the bitch and yeah, well, that's so we have to reclaim bossy, the bitch. Probably too. A, a much longer. We probably have a much longer list than many. Yeah. Oh yeah, we probably <laughs> have to be more persistent. But uh, yeah, if that's what we've got to do to get listened to and to do what we're doing, then fine, we'll keep going. Yeah. So we just um, just to give final information on the show. Um, if somebody wants to give the rundown. Everyone's just backed <laughs> away from um, show time. I cannot I tell you the time. So. I was like, just please don't ask me what time the show is. Just, just mention where it is, when it's on till. Um, so we have a first, second preview tonight, which is the 3rd of what day? What is it? August. 3rd of August. I don't even know. It's fringe. I don't know what day it is. We open tomorrow on the 4th, um, and then we're, we're not on Mondays, but we're on until the 25th. We're in Trav 1 at various times throughout yeah. the day so you've got no excuse not to catch us basically yeah. it's not going to clash with every show that you're going to see yeah. and it's probably not to drown and you also are working yes. on the afflicted which that's easier because it's 7 30 every day except the 12th is a demonstration from a summer hall and that is well as a whole um it's a true story about uh teenage girls who got a mysterious illness illness i cannot uh pronounce words but it, it goes into that about how problems affecting women are not taken seriously so then oh they're just faking it they're not doing they're just doing it for attention so it goes into that into the sandwich trials about like it's i don't want to ruin it with the yeah. spoilers because there's a lot going on but it is it's on 7 30 summer hall every Brilliant. day except the 12. great yeah. so thank you guys haven't actually said what about you can totally do it out and we can add it in, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> told how the story came about, but not what the actual story is. And so it's a true story of Justin Castrati and his, um, he was smuggled to the UK when he was 11 as an unaccompanied asylum seeker. And that's the kind of first part of the journey. And the second part is he's placed into the UK care system. So it's his kind of fight through that as well. And it's all about kind of home and identity and displacement. And it's, it's great. Come and see it. Ladies, thank you so very, very much. It's been an absolute joy. Have a great festival and stay nasty. <laughs>